Hey, Northside family, good to see you today. My name is Nate, so glad you're here. Would you welcome everybody in our video venue and our live stream? Just want to say hello to them for a moment. And uh, man, no matter where you are, you just need to know you matter to God. And this is why we're doing this series called Permission to Speak Freely, uh, because God wants to hear from you right from where you're at. And this whole series on prayer, it's going to be a five-week series. And the whole goal over the next couple weeks that we're doing and today is this. We want you to begin to talk with God from right, right where you're at. Just, just right where you are. I don't know what your day's been. I don't know what your week has been. You've come in here and you're going, man, I'm just here because I know I should be, but I'm just not feeling it. And God is going, that's all right. I want to know where you are at because we want to pray from where we are. This is what God wants. He says, just talk to me from where you are, not where you think you should be. Because there's a big difference between that. And here's what I've realized in my own life. Unless I do that, unless I pray from where I, I, I really am, I end up not praying at all. Because I say stuff like this, well, you know what? Tomorrow morning I'm going to get in God's word and then I'm going to have this real spiritual moment. I'm going to make some coffee and it's going to be a great moment. So I'm going to wait to pray tomorrow. And then my kid wakes up at 5 a.m., you know, and, and just it totally impedes all of my prayer moment. And God's going, Nate, I don't want you to wait tomorrow. I want to talk with you today. I, I want to talk with you from right where you are. Are. As a matter of fact, like Doug said, this is why we need the book of Psalms because sometimes we don't have the language, we don't have the words to even describe where we are. We go, God, my, my heart is such a wreck right now or I'm so, so much full of fear or there's things going on. Some of you are going off to college this week and you're just scared to death. Some of you parents, we're going to start a new support group for you here, you know, as you let them go. And man, there is fear, there is worry, there is anxiety. And if someone said, how are you doing? You go, I, I really can't even describe how I'm doing. And this is why the book of Psalms is so important because last weekend we talked about being able to pray, pray from a place of lament which means a place, a place from sorrow when you feel like God is totally distant. And I found it odd just the timing that this is a, a reminder again why we need the Psalms and why we need the words of Scripture to pray. Here we are talking about lamenting when things don't go right in life. And this is why we need the Bible. And then we had two more shootings last weekend. And I don't know about you, but you know what my, my, my greatest fear is right now that I'm feeling internally? Is I'm just becoming numb to all the shootings. And I'll go, yep, there's another one. And we just go, this is how life's going to be from now on. We're just going to have to get used to shooting, y'all. Let's move on. And there's something wrong with that, isn't there? The only problem is just because you and I don't have the words doesn't mean God doesn't want to speak to us in the pain and in the confusion. And this is why God has given us his scripture because there is psalm after psalm about people expressing their heart going, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where you were. I don't know where you were in that Walmart in El Paso. I don't know where you were that night in Dayton. Were you asleep or were you in Argentina and you forgot to be in Dayton, Ohio? Like, I don't know where you are, God, in the midst of this. And we find in the Psalms, it speaks to that. And we're going, God, we need you. We need words. And right now we hurt. And this is why we're doing this sermon series, because we need to be able to have permission to speak freely from right where you are, because God wants to hear from you right where you are. And he has something to say to you. And today, that's why we're going to be focusing on this idea of healing, that there is healing that needs not just to take place in our country. There is healing that needs to take place in our hearts. Sometimes we don't even realize it. Now here's, I don't know about you, but every time healing was brought up when I grew up in church, this was immediately the thought that always came to mind. And I, and I grew up in a church and really talk about healing. And this is why, because as soon as we started talking about healing, everybody's like, we bringing out the snakes today? 
right? Who's coming up here? Who's going to get bit by the snake? And they're healed and all oh, this is awesome. Everybody come forward, give your life to the Lord, you know? And, and this is what happened growing up. We would see that or we'd see televangelists kind of abuse healing. And sometimes they would, you know, fake things of people getting healed. And so we go, yeah, God heals, but he doesn't heal anymore. So just don't ask for healing. And I grew up with this phrase. I don't know if you grew up with this phrase. I heard it in church and it sounds biblical, but it's not. And this is how it went. It'd say, pray like it depends on God, but work like it depends on you. It sounds good, doesn't it? Man, let's pray. But when it comes to life, it's actually only up to you. And see, this is the problem is we forget the whole story of Scripture. Everything in the Scripture is about God's healing. Matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 53, when it talks about Jesus, it says, by his wounds, we are healed. That God is fully aware of where you need healing in your life. And what he's inviting you to do is to say, I want you to share with me where you need healing in your life. For some of us, though, as a matter of fact, I had a conversation this morning. They were talking about prayer and they realized this. When it came to healing, they always asked God for strength to get through it. They never asked God to take it away. Why is that? Why is it that we're afraid to ask God to really go, God, would you take this away? Sometimes we don't ask that because what if he doesn't? And sometimes we don't ask that because what if he does? Then we got to explain, we're like, oh, don't tell anybody, but God healed me. Oh, you're one of those people, right? And we're like, I don't want anybody to know, you know, and then you got to do a Facebook live video and all this other stuff. And then, you know, go on Ellen and all these other things. I, I was sick, now I'm here. And you're like, I don't want to go on TBN and I don't want to do all that. Stuff. So I'm just not going to ask for it. And God is saying, no, 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 the whole scripture, the whole story of Christ, everything about God is he is saying, I want you to ask me for healing in and through your life. The only problem is sometimes we have to live with going, you know what, sometimes he doesn't answer the way we pray, does he? Matter of fact, you see this happen in the life of the Apostle Paul, the man who was blinded and God gave him his sight back. He began to do healing. He began to preach. Matter of fact, that he preached all night one time and a guy fell out of the building and he died. You know, some of you are like, yeah, I'm asleep right now. I'm going to pray that guy wakes you up right now. But this is, what, this is what happens. He goes outside where that guy fell out of the window and he gets over him and he prays and the guy comes back to life. Unbelievable. It's in scripture. You go, Wow. And then Paul, he said he had a thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's this guy who's prayed and he's brought people back to life and he's healed. They would even take his handkerchiefs and they would take it to people and people would be healed. And he says, God, three times in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, I had this thorn in the flesh and three times I prayed for God to heal me. I prayed. And he said, and this is all that Jesus gave me. And listen to what he said. He said, all that Jesus gave me, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. All Jesus told him was this, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. God is saying today this, I want for you to tell me where you need healing in your life, and I don't want you to hold back. Go ahead and pray the prayer. God, would you remove this? Would you totally get rid of this cancer? God, would you heal in a way that only people could see it was of you? And Father, would you help me that even if you don't heal me the way I want, I can know it is your grace that is enough for me to get through it all. 
Because that in my weakness, that is when I'm made strong. See, God is asking you and I today to go, it's all right, man. Let me know what's going on in your life. Don't hold back. Let me into the places that you need healing in your life and let me hold you together. See, sometimes, this is what we say, if you pray for healing and you don't see it, it's your fault because you don't have faith. And we want to back up from that a little bit today. And this is, if you're following along, you, you might want to write this down. Here's where the concept we want to get today is this. We don't serve signs and wonders. We serve the God of signs and wonders. And so if God doesn't always heal the way you see it, it doesn't mean that God is not involved in your life. That we don't just serve signs and wonders. But we serve the God who is able to redeem and heal all things. That's why today we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 146. And if you have your Bibles open, that will be up on the screen. Matter of fact, I want to invite you when you leave today, we got bookmarks. You can read a psalm a day in this. We want you to be in God's word. We want you to be feasting on this. God will give you words to pray and to say in the midst of our hardship. This is why the psalms are so important. But listen to what it says about healing in chapter 146. It says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. And what's going about to happen is this author is about ready to show us the healing power of God, how vast it is. He says, I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. So do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. For when their spirit departs, they return to the ground. And on that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. The maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. The Lord who remains faithful forever. And then he begins to describe the healing work of God. He says he upholds the cause of the oppressed and he gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down because the Lord loves the righteous. And the Lord watches over the alien, the foreigner, and he sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. And the Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations Praise the Lord. See, this is why we need to get this vision of what God wants to do because too often times we just go, hey, God, you know, if you're not too busy, you know, could, could you just kind of do this for me today? And, and I understand if you don't care. You got a long line of prayers coming to you. So I'll just kind of live through life over here by myself. And this psalm writer, I, I'm going to kind of work backwards. I'm going to talk about the description of God, and then we're going to talk about how God brings his healing into our life. But if you notice, he goes, man, I uphold the cause of the oppressed. That if today you feel oppressed from what people have done or situations in your life, maybe you've been done wrong, maybe the family you grew up in was very oppressive, God goes, I will uphold your cause. I will bring healing into your life. I will hold your life together. The whole story of scripture is about God bringing healing and he brings not just physical healing, he also brings spiritual healing into the world. That he says this, I raise up those who bow down. Those who humbly come and say, God, I can't save myself. Would you save me? He goes, oh good, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for you to allow me to come into your life. I was waiting for you to let me bring healing into your life. 
But you know, here's the deal. It's not just the manifesto of God's healing. This is the healing that he wants you and I to bring into the world. Did you know that? That God is saying, I want you to uphold the cause of the oppressed. I want you to care for the orphan and the widow and the alien and those who are hungry. I want you to bring my healing into the world. It's not just about his healing for us. It is about God saying, I want to bring my healing through you and into the world. I want you to join me. I remember it was a number of years ago. At that time, I was our interim women's ministers before we hired Marty Jackson which sounds kind of funny, you know, and, you know, and, and this lady came in and, and she said, I want to speak to the women's minister. And our receptionist said, well, his name is Nate Ross. And, uh, you know, and this is all the lady said. The lady looked at our receptionist. She goes, well, does he wear a bra? <laughs> the lady's like, I don't know, but my guess is no. And she said, I don't want to talk to him. And she just stormed out. Now, here's what we can go. We go, how rude. What, what, what a selfish lady. You know what she was saying? I want to talk with someone who is going through what I'm going through. I want to talk with someone who's been where I have been. See, some of us in this room, you go through divorces and you go, God can never use me again. And he begins to heal and restore your life. And he goes, no, I'm going to call you to help other people who have gone through divorce because they believe that God can't heal and use them again. Would you let me heal your life so you can be an agent of healing in this world? Some of you, you grew up oppressed and God is saying, let me into the oppression so I can heal you and I can send you to be my agent of healing in this world. It's not just about God healing us for us. It is about God saying, I want to heal you and I want to mend you. My grace wants to hold you together, but I want you to bring my healing into the world. This is God's manifesto for not only him, but for us as the church. This is why the evil act of that shooter in El Paso was so against the heart of God. If you know anything about his manifesto, his whole manifesto is this. The hope that he had was in a race. The hope that you and I have is in a risen Savior. It is not in a race, amen? It is not about a white supremacy. It is not. See, the reason why white supremacy is wrong is because it goes exactly against the heart of God. Matter of fact, God reminds John about his heart in chapter 7 of Revelation. He says, hey, John, he's in exile. I don't know if you knew this. You know, sometimes we get this confused that if you become a Christian, don't expect problems. I just got I, I want to I break that down for you today. You need healing of that in Jesus' name right now. You know what I'm saying? Get that bad theology out of your head. No, I'm serious, and here's why. Did you know this? That every disciple of Jesus... All the 11 outside of Judas, every disciple of Jesus died a martyr's death. Do you know that? Those who were closest to Jesus died a martyr's death. John was the only one that got sent to exile to die by himself. And here he is by himself. And it's easy to go, God, obviously you didn't heal me. I'm dying out here by myself. And God goes, oh, no, I have something to say. Keep speaking freely to me. I have stuff to say in your suffering. And you know what Jesus gives him? He gives him a glimpse of heaven. He reminds him of heaven. And listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. He, he, gets a, he gets a glimpse of heaven, God's healing power in the midst of our suffering. And this is what John says. He said, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count 
from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, from every language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Is this your manifesto of what healing looks like in this world? That God wants to heal every tongue Every tribe, every nation, every broken heart, God is saying, I am bringing my healing into this world. Is this your manifesto? See, oftentimes the reason why we don't see the healing of God in our life is our lives are nowhere near aligned to God. And we wonder, why, God, why aren't you working? He's going, well, where's your heart? This is my heart. This is what I have. This is what I want to accomplish in the world, here's the only thing. It's not just the physical healing that God wants to bring in the world. It's also spiritual healing. You ever realize that? Sometimes today you, you go, you know what, right now you might not have a physical need. What, do you have any sickness we can pray for? No. All of us can say allergies because we live in southern Indiana, right? We're like, Lord, please bring your healing, right? How long, oh, Lord, will I take all these drugs, you know? You know? <laughs> We're going, right now you might not have a physical Need for healing, but I guarantee you this, if it's not physical, it's probably spiritual. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus addresses this because he saw the Pharisees and he knew outside they didn't need, they, they were perfect physically. They had memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They could quote all this other stuff. They could do all these things. And to everybody else, they looked all holy. And he said, you know what? You're actually spiritually sick and you need healing. And so in Luke chapter 18, he tells this story. And he goes, hey, there was this Pharisee. And he tells it to the Pharisees. He doesn't pull any punches. He goes, there's this Pharisee. And there's this tax collector, which immediately pits everybody against each other. Because everybody knows tax collectors are corrupt. And the Pharisees are supposedly to be these good, holy guys. And listen to what he says in Luke chapter 18. He said, these two people go up to the temple to pray. And he said, listen how the Pharisee prayed. The Pharisee stood up and he prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, these robbers, these evildoers, these adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Amen and amen, right? I'm on the dean's, you know, dean's list. I'm on the honor roll of Jesus. And he said, then the tax collector prayed. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. I don't know your story, but I know this. The people we've talked to in this place before, they've told us, Nate, you had no idea how many times I circled this building before I came in here. Because the guilt I carry, I'm ashamed to walk into church. This is what Jesus is describing. Spiritually sick person going, here he is, he's standing at a distance, he won't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast, he hit his chest, and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's all he could say. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I don't fast. I don't give. God, just have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said this, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other man, the Pharisee, went home justified before God, went home healed before God. 
For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's be real clear here today. You may need no physical healing in your life, but do not confuse that for your need for spiritual healing in your life. That unless you have prayed, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, we still need healing. See, oftentimes this is what we do. This is what Jesus is saying. He's going, don't become that guy who says, I'm glad I'm not that guy. That's what he's saying. Don't become that woman who's just walking around saying, well, I'm just glad I'm not like those women. Because that's not what gets you saved. That's not what gets you healed. Matter of fact, James chapter 5 goes on to say this. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, this is why life groups are so integral here because we're going, all of us in this room, again, you may not need physical healing, but man, you have a spiritual need in your life that you're going, God, I need you to work on. I've got this pride in my life. I've got this judgmentalness in my life. I remember it was this summer between my sophomore and junior year of high school. It was the darkest time of my life. I was wrapped up in some addiction. There were some things going on in my life. And here's the problem. You ready? Nobody could see it on the outside. I was at church every weekend. I was at youth group every Wednesday night. Oh, you're the pastor's son. Never been to juvie. Never been arrested, right? I'm better than you, right? You know, that was, that was kind of the exterior until I went to our summer camp. And God revealed to me how sick my soul was. And all I could do at one night at camp was just cry out, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I can't tell you the power of God's healing that came into my life that night. And it doesn't mean that temptation isn't there and there's no struggle and there's nothing that I'm fighting with. What it means is this. God is simply saying, Nate, don't let your exterior think that it replaces the interior of your life. Just because everything looks good on the outside doesn't mean everything is good. On the inside. This is where Jesus wants to get hold of us. So, so how do we get healed? This is why the psalm writer begins to talk about this. I, I went in reverse order talking about the goodness and the healing work of Christ. Now I want to focus on how we continue to walk in the healing. And this is what it says in verse 3. He says, do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. The first step for you and I of stepping into this healing that God has for us is simply this. Healing begins when we trust Jesus. That's where healing begins. Healing begins when you and I begin to say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That, that this is what the, I don't know if you guys know this. Did you know there's an election next year? Has anybody seen any of this on the news lately? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's an election next year, right? And uh, if you haven't heard about it, it you'll, you'll hear about it soon. And uh, <laughs> And here's what, all, here's what all of our discussion is right now, bantering back and forth. Who's going to be the Democratic this? Can you defeat this? What about this? What about this? And all I hear after reading this passage is this. Everybody is looking to place their trust in someone who can save them. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save you. Because when their spirit departs, they return to the ground. And on that very day, their plans come to nothing. Be careful 
where you're placing your trust to save your soul. Just, just be careful. We're waiting for our day. We're waiting for this to happen. Be careful. Be careful where we're leaning in. For some of us, we go, ooh, man, I think that's where I need to step back and maybe some healing needs to happen in my life is I, I'm putting too much hope, not just maybe in a political party, but maybe I'm putting too much hope in my job. Maybe I'm putting too much hope in my 401k. Maybe I'm putting too much hope in these other things thinking that it is going to save me. This is actually why we're doing our night of worship this Wednesday. Typically, we don't do one in August, but we said, man, if we're going to talk about prayer, we want to have a night where people can come and be prayed for. Because we know this is not what we're going to do, where we're going to go, hey, is anybody struggling right now and needs prayer? Go ahead and raise your hand, right? Everybody in the room is like, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> we're like, no, you're not. You're right? You know, you know, this is a whole thing where we're going, hey, this night of worship, you know what we want to do? We want to create space. For us to say, maybe some of you are experiencing physical symptoms and we're going, God, would you, would you heal God, God, would you move in a powerful way? For some of you going, man, I, I'm wrestling with so much stuff in my heart and my life. I just need prayer. I, need, I just need to confess. And we go, this is where we want to have that happen. Because God is saying, we want to, he's saying, I want to bring healing in to the, do not trust princes who cannot save. We only have one prince of peace who can save. Amen. We go, man, it's Jesus. He's the only one that begins to move us in the way of healing. But I love this about the psalm writer. He says this in verse 5. He said, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. If you're following along, you want to write this down, that healing, it's not just by trusting Jesus. Healing is letting God be our present help. We hate to ask for help, don't we? I, my, my grandpa, he's 94. We just moved him into uh, a nursing home up in Scottsburg, and he kind of came from that tough as nails generation. And uh, my favorite story about my grandpa, this is my dad's dad, is uh, the church that he went to uh, growing up in Illinois. He had a bobcat, and he was paving. He was extending the parking lot, and he was moving the gravel out. And uh, I love this. One of the, someone showed up to the church, and they saw he was kind of driving a little bit crooked. And they went, I wonder, is he okay? You know, what was he doing drinking on the job at church, you know? And, and they're like, is he all right? And he goes up to Ellen and he goes up to my grandpa and he sees that his face is drooping. He's like, oh no, he's having a stroke. And he says, Eldon, you're having a stroke. And my grandpa with his face kind of starting to droop goes, I know, but I'm almost finished. <laughs> True story. Yeah, I know I need help but I'm going to power through. <laughs> I don't know what it is about us. We hate asking for help, don't we? I love to help people. I hate asking for it. Don't worry, I'll take care of myself. That's all right. Not only will I not ask other people for help, oftentimes, if I'm honest, I won't even ask God for the help. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. This is why the psalm writer says, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. That word blessed means happy. It means your soul can be free because you've asked for the help of God in your life. A couple friends have come up to me recently. He knew we were talking about healing and had two buddies tell me. They go, Nate, our struggle is this. They've both been healed. 
They've had some life, both of them had life-threatening diseases that God cured them of, freed them of. And they said this, we were talking about this, and he said, Nate, here's our problem. And both of them had this problem. It's amazing when we were sharing this. They go, we both feel guilty that God healed us and he didn't heal other people. See, here's the thing. We can get healed and still yet wrestle with the guilt. God, why did you heal me? Why didn't you heal them? And what we talked about is this. It's not just for you to figure that out. It's for you to lean in and say, God, would you help me wrestle with the guilt? Even when you're healed, God, would you help me? God, would you move me forward? Because this is what it says. He loves to lift up those who are bowed down. He loves to lift up those who will humble themselves before God. He loves to save those who say, God, would you have mercy on me, a sinner? God, would you help me? Because I can't help myself anymore. God, would you help me? He goes, oh, yes, I would love to. I would love to. And here's the beautiful thing about the psalm writer. He says, not only is blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. He goes on to say this, whose hope is in the Lord his God. See, it's not just about asking God for help one time. It is about you and I on this ongoing journey going, no, Jesus, it's not just that you're going to help me one moment and I'm going to go back to doing things the way I've always wanted to do it. No, God, I'm going to ask for your help and then I'm going to continue to let me, to let you be my hope. I'm going to continue to live in a way that, God, I'm not looking to put my hope in anything else. You are my hope. And when he says that this is whose hope is in the Lord his God, what he's saying is this. Healing is having a future hope. That you and I, no matter what you face, no matter what I face, and we will face some scary moments in life, but we don't face it when Jesus is our healer. We don't face it alone, and we don't face it without hope. I read an interesting stat the other day. I don't know if you know this or not. I read this stat that 100% of people are still dying today. Did you know that? 100%. Even Lazarus, the guy that Jesus brought back from the dead, he still died. See, sometimes we, we misinterpret healing as going, you'll never have to go through another hardship. You'll never have to face any problems again. See, this is why we need this hope, because you and I, we will face hardship. We will need healing to be in our life. We will need this future hope that goes with us. Listen what Peter says. He was one of the apostles, one of Jesus' best friends. He actually ended up not just being martyred, not just killed for his faith in Jesus. He actually, when they went to crucify him, they said, well, if you're a Christ follower, we're going to kill you like we killed Jesus. That was the Roman way. And listen what he does. He says, you can crucify me, but this is what he tells him. He goes, but crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. That's how much he's, Jesus is my hope. And listen what he writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. This is what he writes to the church, to you and I. He points us in the direction of the healing of Jesus. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, Peter finally figured out the only way forward in life is by asking Jesus to be my help. And his mercy will heal and lead me forward. In his great mercy, he has given his new birth into, and I love this phrase, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, which is kept in heaven for you. Jesus is saying, you will never be forsaken when I am your hope. 
Even if you don't get the healing that you long for in this world, you know this, because of him, we have a future with him in heaven. We don't have to live in the fear of death. Yes, that fear comes up, but we say, no, we have a hope that goes beyond the grave because of the resurrection. And what Jesus is asking today is this, where is your heart today? Where do you need healing in your life today? It might not be physical. There's a spiritual healing. There's a healing that it's not about your good works. There's a healing that only comes by saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Right now, our volunteers are going to go back to get ready to serve communion. And here's what we're going to do. I've talked enough. It's time for you to talk with God. It's time for you to speak freely with your creator. It's time for you to be honest with where you are. Two questions are going to come up on the screen, and we're going to ask these questions through this whole series. First one is simply this. Where's your soul at today? Where are you at? You hurting? You crushed? You defeated? Are you disillusioned? And you think because everything looks great on the outside, nothing is wrong on the inside. We're going to ask that question here in a moment. Where's your soul at? We want you to tell God. And then we're going to ask this question. What do you need God to do for you today? Not for just the people in El Paso, not Dayton, not this, not that. For you. His healing has come for you. You need him to become your trust. You need him to become your help. You need him to become your hope. Let's speak freely and then we'll take communion together.